0: Hello my beautiful beans and welcome to the episode of today. So today I am answering a whole bunch of some of my favorite listener questions that have been sent through. I get so many. So obviously just doing one at the end of every episode is just no way that I can get through them. And I've picked some topics that are are contrasting in nature so they're not all about breakups and they're not all – so they're all different kinds of topics that I could answer so it could apply and be relevant to a whole bunch of you guys. And I always find that when people listen to a listener question, very often they can apply a lot of what I talk about to areas in their life. Even if the dynamic of that individual situation is not identical to yours, you can still find ways that you can maybe deal with people better, create a boundary better in your life and just, you know, improve in certain areas of your life that you want to improve in. So that is what the episode of today is about. Life update. I'm not going to go into a life update. There's not, everything's fine and dandy, thriving, 30 flirty and thriving. Uh, But I do have a brain fact. And I think you guys are going to love this brain fact because it is a personality disorder. And every time I talk about personality disorders, a lot of people are like, oh my God, that is my Mum, dad me my sibling my best friend so i think it gives people a lot of insight into people that they know or themselves and but little disclaimer don't go i'm professionally diagnosing people with disorders lol just but it, but it is interesting to kind of understand these things and you might know someone that has similar traits so let's go straight into the brain fact before i get into all these epic juicy questions the brain fact of today is all about something called histrionic personality disorder before I go into what histrionic personality disorder is, I want to briefly talk about personality disorders. So, the DSM five, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders number no. five, which is the current manual, um, lists a whole bunch of personality disorders. Okay, so. There's categories for personality disorders. There's 10 personality disorders, and they're broken down into three main clusters. And these clusters are categorized because within each cluster, they all share similar symptoms. There's cluster A, B, and C. Cluster A involves unusual and eccentric behaviors or thoughts, cluster B involves dramatic and erratic behaviors and intense emotions and impulsive behaviors. And cluster C involves severe anxiety and fear. Histrionic personality disorder, which is what we're talking about today, is in cluster B, which involves dramatic and erratic behaviours and intense emotions and and impulsive behaviours. And it is described in the DSM-5 as the following. Diagnosis is assigned to individuals who display patterns of attention-seeking and often dramatic behaviour to gain the approval of others. This may be flirtatious, emotional, seductive, or otherwise as a way of gaining attention from onlookers. It includes intense, unstable emotions and a distorted self-image. People with this disorder get their self-esteem from the approval of others and struggle to get it from their own sense of self-worth. They have a strong desire to be noticed and can display inappropriate behaviors to get attention. Now, to be diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder, you have to meet 5 or more of the following behaviors so there's eight behaviors that i'm about to list and you just have to have 5 or more of them so you might think oh my god i'm hitting or you know this you know i mean like i said don't go diagnosing it you need to speak to a professional to actually diagnose it but often you'll think okay well i hit all these things but i don't hit this so it mustn't be it but it's not all of them not everyone has all eight in fact it's quite rare that everyone hits all eight of them so let's get into it number 1 The person needs to be the center of attention, otherwise they do not feel appreciated. Number two, seductive or provocative behavior or acting sexually inappropriate even with people they are not attracted to. Number three, emotions are shallow and they shift rapidly. Number four, impressionistic and vague speech. Number five, suggestible or easily influenced by others. Number six, things... Um, they think relationships are closer or stronger than they actually are. Number seven, dramatic or exaggerated emotions which otherwise lack depth. And lastly, number eight, they use their appearance to draw attention and they are overly concerned with their appearance. So often when they have this disorder, people with histrionic personality disorder, they don't realize it or they're not aware that their behaviors are causing any problems or that they're being problematic. They're just like cruising through life unaware that it's actually causing an issue. They are, so like I mentioned, they are uncomfortable when they're not the center of attention and they might often get, you know, if they're like, for example, I'll give you an example of this. If they're in a group of people, they will demand that the entire group of people listen to them when they're speaking, but they won't see the importance in reciprocating for somebody else. So they, they, are also at a higher risk of developing a substance use disorder, such as with alcohol or cannabis. They need instant gratification or they become bored easily. And they also believe themselves to have this larger-than-life presence or they want to be perceived in that way at least. So that's kind of the traits of somebody with histrionic personality disorder. It normally begins in the late teens or early 20s. And it's present in around 1 to 1.8% of the population. So it's it's rare, but it's not crazy rare. That's like one to two in 100 people. So that's not crazy rare. So most of us might know one or two people with this disorder. And like many disorders, it's typically diagnosed after the patient turns 18 because personalities evolve a lot during childhood and teenagehood. So it's very unlikely that you would be diagnosing someone with this disorder personality disorder before they become an adult. Now, interestingly, it is frequently comorbid with ADHD. Up to 35% of adults with ADHD have HPD, which is histrionic personality disorder. It's also comorbid with depression, anxiety, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic and borderline personality disorder and dependent personality disorder. But of course, it can be independent from all these things. It doesn't have to be comorbid with anything. It's When it comes to diagnosing it, it's not an easy thing to diagnose because the individual often doesn't see that their behaviors are an issue. So for them to – this is kind of – it falls under the same umbrella as narcissistic personality disorder where often there's no insight into their own behavior and why or how it can be problematic. So for someone to be like, I have this disorder, I want to be treated for it, that doesn't happen that that common, commonly. Um, They also don't like routines or following a treatment so it's not that easy to treat either and normally someone with HPD will seek assistance for something else first like depression or anxiety and that is where a mental health professional like a psychiatrist or a psychologist might suspect that they have this disorder and then they might even you know they'll go into asking them questions about their past their impulse control their past relationships but they also might even speak to people that are close with them to get an understanding of this person's behavior outside of that person's own insight. What causes it? It could be genetic because it does run in families, but more studies need to be done, but it seems like it can be inherited. Parenting styles. So if there's a lack of boundaries or too many inconsistencies in parenting, it could cause something like this. Poor parent-child relationships can cause Um, the characteristics of like low self-esteem in this disorder and also separate to that childhood trauma like the death of a family member or or child abuse could cause these behaviors later down the track. So how do you treat it? So it's not treated with medication however given that a lot of people with HPD have depression or anxiety or ADHD and already take medication for those things they might find that it's easier to treat HPD, when the other disorders are being treated with medication effectively. Otherwise, psychotherapy, so talking to a therapist, is an effective treatment because it gets the patient to uncover the underlying emotions that are pushing them to these behaviors. Cognitive behavior therapy is also very effective because it is a goal-oriented type of therapy and though they're they they're giving them like clear steps to work towards and it helps patients gain like a much better understanding of how their own thoughts affect their actions and how their own thoughts affect their behaviors and how they can be changed and therefore how their own outcomes can be changed for the better as well. So that is histrionic personality disorder. I feel like I should go through each of these 10 personality disorders, although I have already gone through a couple. but. Maybe there should be like a whole bunch of brain facts that I could go through the cluster A, B and C and all of that. Good times. Okay. So now we're going to go into the, a whole bunch of questions. These are great, great questions. So I'm really pumped to get through them. I'm going to aim for five, maybe six, depending on how long it takes me because you know how much I love to talk in answering questions. Okay. Number one. Hi, Alexis. Firstly, I want to say thank you for being such a boss. I love these intros, by the way. Can I just say it gives me life? You inspire me in so many ways and I always listen to your podcast when I feel low. It always makes me feel so empowered when needed. You did that. Sending you a thousand thank yous. Thank you. I was wondering if you could shed some light on my current situation. I've been dating this in-the-closet guy for nearly two years now. We've had our ups and downs, but I can't seem to accept or understand something about him. Nor even know if it's okay for me to feel uncomfortable about it. He has a really weird relationship with his mother. Hear me out. I love a guy who prioritizes his own mother when it's needed and is not afraid to show it. I kind of find it a turn on and I've always believed that having a good relationship with your parents, especially your mum, is very important. However, I think his relationship with his mum seems a bit toxic My boyfriend is 28 years old and he still lives with his parents. Nothing wrong with that as I only moved out of home a few weeks ago. His mum doesn't know that he's dating me, a male, but whenever I'm with him, his mum always calls and messages him and he gets stressed and anxious as she would want him home as she can't sleep, quote unquote, and wanted to wait for him to get home. I also found out that his mum is tracking him on Find My, like Find My iPhone, Find My and would ask him why he's at a certain location at a certain time. Last night, he went to the footy with his mum and said that they had an argument at the game and she walked out on him and texted him saying that he's a big fat bully. And he questioned her as he questioned her about something, walked out of the game and said that she would take the tram home instead. It's gotten to the point now where he would lie to me about reasons to why he couldn't go anywhere or stay out too late, but later found out that it's because of his mum trying to control him and manipulate him. I've seen their text messages and I also find it weird that she would call her son baby and darling. He told me that his brother also felt like she tries to control him, my boyfriend, and he needed to move out of home. I also heard their phone conversations via call, and she seems very manipulative of him trying to make him feel bad for staying out too late. Am I being too sensitive? He knows, he knows that his relationship with his mother could destroy us, but what do I do? I feel so weird about it. I low-key feels like he likes it, and he's very dependent on his parents. Rich family, in brackets. I love that. <laughs> Is this the part where I run for the hills? okay. This is fucking hectic, can I just say. Firstly, you're absolutely not being too sensitive at all. You are being very level-headed and these behaviours, even like take away the fact that it's very unhealthy, the controlling side of things, just it's the boundaries. There's fucking a massive lack of boundaries here, okay? And just to quickly address where you said I feel like he likes it, There's yeah, there's a big chance that he might like it to the extent of He's so used to it and it's like his safety blanket. So probably if he experienced being completely independent and was fully removed from that, he would realize, wow, it was a dependency thing. I don't actually like that. (laughs) I actually, most people when given the opportunity, most people prefer to live an independent life where there isn't this like crazy attached at the teat vibes. Um, But I would imagine that th- the reason why he he likes it is because of this dependency and a feeling of safety and this inability to completely detach. And you said that he's very dependent on his parents. I would imagine that he's grown up feeling that way. And when you're babied so much, there's the, a chance, and I don't know about this, but spe- like specific scenario, but there's a big chance that the parents weren't pushing you to be more independent at a young age. So then when you get into adulthood, while it is rewarding to be independent, it's terrifying. So you keep retreating back to your safety net because you're like, oh, I should have done these things when I was a lot younger. I should have tried to go out into the big bad world when I was younger. And now I feel like I'm getting older and it gets harder and harder, which it's true. It does get harder as you get older because you're kind of more, you know, you're, you're a lot friendlier with risks when you're younger and the older you get, if you haven't taken those risks, it sca- seems scarier than what it is. So put that aside. Yes, there is a, a a chance that he likes it, but not for the healthy reasons. It's because he's attached and maybe scared. Now, this behaviour is not only a turn-off and annoying, it's actually unhealthy. Everything you've mentioned is completely unhealthy. This is a grown man. He obviously does not feel comfortable coming out as gay to his parents, so there's a weird relationship there because, yes, they're close, but how close are they? And, yes, the mum loves him, but how accepting is she if, if she doesn't even know that he's dating a man? So that's weird This is very like controlling vibes. It's not – there's a difference between close and and possession. And a lot of people confuse love with possession and possessiveness. And not to say that the parents don't love him, but a lot of behaviors that parents and certain partners display are not of love, but of you are mine and I will then need to control you because I need you as my possession. And that's not loving at all. And in this scenario, this is what's going down. So she feels that she, that he is her possession. And I would imagine that with a lot of parents who feel that way, it's because it, it's something for their image. Maybe her identity is heavily tied to being his mum. And then without him, she would feel lost. It could be that. It could be, you know, there could be a whole bunch of other layers. But this is very, very codependent, weird mother-son relationship that's going on. It all comes down to how do you deal with this? Should you run for the hills? I don't think you should straight away run for the hills in the sense that you need to speak to him and basically say, is there any of this that you see changing in the future? Do you see yourself coming out to your parents? Do you see yourself changing these things? And wait for his answer because if he says, oh, no, kind of whatever, then maybe you do need to run for the hills because are you prepared to put up with this? No, it sounds like you're not, and rightly so, because that's fucked. But also, you've got to understand, number one, do you see this changing? Do you see your behaviors changing? If he says, yes, I do, I don't want this to go on forever, number two is, uh, what, at what point will you change? Like, what needs to give? What needs to happen for you to leave the household? What needs to happen for you to come out and be honest that you are dating a man? What needs to happen? What's the limit? What has to change for you to change versus not because it's easy for someone to say, I'm reaching my limit. I'm getting tired. I'm reaching my limit. This is annoying me. And then five years down the track, they're like, I'm reaching my limit. It's the same fucking shit. It's like, I need to know if you are willing to change when. And then ask, why have you not changed thus far? It's really, really important that you understand where his head is at. Because if he can't answer those questions, then there's a chance that he cannot cut the ties he can't cut the umbilical cord and it might be because she's being in a controlling situation but unfortunately there's nothing that you can do all you can do is ask him questions that will bring him to certain realizations but there's nothing you can do to control someone else ultimately you know you can you can s- steer someone in a certain direction so before you run for the hills ask him those questions. But I do believe that if nothing were to change, then you need a very clear idea of what your actions are going to be. You've got to know that if nothing changes or if this situation stayed exactly as it is for the next four years, would you stay? And if you knew it wouldn't change, when would you leave? What would be the defining factor for that? So you've got to ask yourself those hard questions too. Because it's very easy to go, oh, one more day, one more week, one more day. But that's your time and that's your emotions that you're investing. And that's a lot of you that you're giving to someone else when you think this is, a, this is just inevitably going to end. Okay? And I think in this situation, because it is affecting you, because he's in the closet, he's not talking about it, it does affect you, I think it is fair to in a very, in a very kind way you can assert some level of boundary here. Say, I understand this is your life and I can't tell you how you can behave with your mum or whatever, but I'm going to tell you what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. I don't want to be a secret forever. The, on the things that it actually does affect me, like you staying out late at night, I want to. I'm a grown man. I want to be able to date a man who can actually. Start, like what the fuck, can't? What is this with this 10 p.m. curfew bullshit? I need to be able to date someone that I can actually, who's an adult, not a teenager. Okay, so th- there's certain things when it comes to boundaries. If it, and I've got a whole episode of boundaries. So if you want to get really clear on what's a fair boundary and what's not, go check that episode out. But in this scenario, if it affects you directly, then you're allowed to set that boundary. Bad boundaries are where you're like, I don't want you talking to someone of a threatening gender because that's like, no cunt, fuck off. So with this scenario, raise up, raise the boundaries, say this is inappropriate for me. I'm not willing to put up with this and I will not stay in this relationship under these circumstances and see how he reacts. There is a chance that you will lose him, but then you're losing a relationship that's fucking pissing you off and you're losing that mother as well, which is probably not a bad thing for you. Hopefully that helped. Hopefully that gave you a bit of a push to either speak to him really seriously about it or to pull the pin if you have to. All right, next question. Hi, Alexis. Thank you so much for your podcast recently. They've really been hitting home with a lot of the things that are going on in my life right now. The main reason I wanted to write in today is to do with my sister. My relationship with her has been extremely rocky, and whenever we seem to get to a good place, one of us seems to overstep the the other's boundary, which, which ends up hurting both of us. I don't really trust her, if I'm honest, due to past and present things I've had to do for her and the fact that she's always seems to lie or have a different agenda. Recently, she has made very public the fact that in the last year, I had had a scare with bowel cancer. This is something that has been very traumatic for me, and therefore I kept very private, only telling those people who needed to know. Without my consent, she made a fundraiser telling everyone my story and posted it on social media without my knowledge. It was actually my dad and a close friend that showed it to me. When I confronted her about it, making it clear that I knew she had good intentions, I just wished she'd asked me first, she blew up telling me I should be grateful and bringing up everything that I've done to her. I'm beginning to get to the point where I don't really know if I want a relationship with her or how best to go forward as I constantly feel I am appeasing her and keeping her secrets to maintain peace with the family. I'm unsure how to deal with this and any advice you would have would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for everything. You're awesome. Okay, so I feel like this, okay, when someone's a sister, I feel like people think, okay, sisters have to be closer than friends, whatever. No, a relationship is the quality. The quality of a relationship is determined by the interaction of the two people in the relationship. Just because there's a blood tie there, that does not make the relationship any richer, any better, just, just by default. Okay. So the fact that she's your sister, remove that. Imagine that she was your friend. Okay. Cause let's not talk about the fact that because I understand that there's interactions with other family members. But for right now, we're going to focus on just your interaction with her as a friend. Question number one, would you hang out with this person as a friend? Probably not. Question number two is when you look at friends, and I have an entire episode on this. It's all about different kinds of friends in your life. You've got your inner circle friends. Then you've got like your good times friends that are only there for good times. Then you've got like your acquaintances. And then you've got your old-time friends that, you know, the dynamics change massively but you keep them in your life because you've got good memories but they're just not in your inner circle anymore but you went to high school with them, whatever. So there's all these categories of friendships that you have and I think for you, you will feel a lot lighter when you determine what category – your sister falls into because I think a lot of people put so much pressure on certain relationships based on the label, based on the fact that they're related to them, based on the history that they've had, based on the fact that they used to be best friends, that you think, oh, I'm I'm expected to give so much or I'm expecting so much and it's not meeting my expectations or the other person's expectations and it's just giving me anxiety and then I end up resenting this person. But really what you have to think about is – Right now, where I am at is this, like, what category does this friendship fall into? It might not be what the label says it is and it might not be what we used to. So if you can change how you define the relationship in your head, you will start to feel a lot less attached to what this relationship needs to look like. So if you were friends, take away the family thing, if you were friends, what category of friendship would she be? She'd probably be maybe I don't know if you guys even enjoy each other. Maybe it should fall under the acquaintance category or the old friend who's now kind of still in your life but you're not really that tight anymore. It is okay to remove someone from your inner circle group and when you do that, by default, all these boundaries come into place because you've got to have an idea of what is the difference between my inner circle friends versus other friends. For me personally, there's certain things that I only divulge to the people that are closest to me. I don't rely on anyone other than people that are really close to me that I can trust and that I would be willing to do the same in return for. Um, I don't make promises that I don't think I'm going to be able to keep. There's all these things that you think, okay, for my inner circle friends I'm going to do all of this, but for everyone else it's going to be a lot lighter. The responsibilities both ways are going to be a lot lighter, okay? So when you look at your sister, you've got to think, okay, other than the fact that you're my sister, do I – is there anything here that means that I have to provide something or you have to provide something to me? You need to step away and limit how how much interaction you have with this woman as if she were an acquaintance because you obviously do not get along. You're trying to keep her secrets. She's sharing your secrets. You acknowledge that you've done certain things that have hurt her and you say that she's done certain things that hurt you. This does not sound like a fruitful relationship at And if this was a friend, you probably would have cut her loose a very long time ago. Given that she is your sister and she is now in your life, you can still coexist with this woman. But from now on, you have to set some boundaries. I'm no longer sharing any secrets with you. I'm going to tell my family that for certain things, I don't want my sister knowing. And reciprocate it. Say, from now on, do not share these X things that I tell you with my sister. And also, if she tells you a secret... I want you to respect her and not share it with me. I don't want to know. Okay. That way we both keep our healthy distance and we're both able to coexist and be civil because where things seem to obviously get very difficult is when she has the privilege of knowing something that's private about you and vice versa. And that's where, you know, people get hurt. Her sharing this stuff and making it very public. I'm sorry, but that sounds like it was an attention seeking exercise for herself Because why the fuck isn't she running it past you first? That is bizarre. Or at least, why hasn't she at least mentioned it to you once it's already out there? That's just weird. So there seems to be a lot of selfish behavior here. But the main thing that I'm getting at here is just because someone is blood related to you, it doesn't mean that they've got a ticket into your life. Nobody has access into your life. You get to choose who does and who doesn't. It is harder to limit access for people that are related and they've got so many ties to others relatives of yours but it's always possible to limit that access so you need to determine what if she was a friend not a sister what category would she fall into and why and where would the boundaries be set in that regard and then set them as a sister but I think you need to take that next step and mention to your family the ones that are relevant um, what kind of boundaries you want to have in regards to conversations with your sister. And then you just see your sister when everyone is together. You don't have to see her one-on-one, okay? Because I don't think that you have to be living a life where you're forced to – so many people force themselves to hang out with their relatives just because they're blood-related. Who cares if you have the same blood type I know people that barely talk to their families because they're so fucking toxic and their family are their friends. You can have sisters that are not blood related, if that makes sense. Okay. So don't think that just because you got a blood tie, she's fucking embedded into the inner workings of your life from here until eternity. That's not the case. It doesn't have to be. Okay. Next question. Hi, Alexis. Big fan of the podcast. It has really helped me on my self-help journey. Very much appreciate what you do. I'm, very, I'm in a very depressing limbo at the moment, and I hope that you can share some of your wisdom. I'm really struggling to see a way out of this. Here's my situation. I moved to Australia four years ago, and for the past two years, I've been in a very toxic, tumultuous relationship. The last six months have probably been the worst six months of my life, with me in and out of a deep depression. I've been seeing a therapist regularly, and although it has helped with some of my issues, I still struggle with severe social anxiety. Throughout this relationship, my friends have dwindled down to one friend who lives about 40 minutes from me and I don't see very often. With no friends and no family to lean on through this dark time in my life, I have formed an extremely codependent relationship with my partner. I've known this relationship has, has needed to end for a while, but now I am scared to death to leave the only support I have in my life. I work from home, so that has also hindered me making new friends and has turned me into a socially inept hermit. I've tried putting myself back out there by joining a sports team a few months back and ran away in the middle of practice because I felt so anxious. The isolation of my job also with being in this relationship has eroded my confidence and self-esteem to nothing. My question is, how do I break out of this cycle of depression and isolation and find the courage to create a life I love and make new friends? Okay, my first question that I want to address is... Do you believe that your relationship with your partner is genuinely codependent? Because if your relationship is genuinely codependent, that would be the number one thing that I would tackle. And that's the primary thing to tackle. And the reason being is when you can have tools to break out of this codependency, because codependent relationships are all consuming. And one of the main things that happens in codependent relationships is um, friendships falling away. And you become quite isolated in that bubble. So by default, if you were not, not saying that you need to leave him straight away, him, her, them, not saying you need to leave them. But if you were not in that relationship, by default, you would have stronger friendships. So I think the key that you need to be looking at is the dynamic of your romantic relationship. Because when people are single, they automatically are put in situations where they're more likely to meet people. And what I mean, not just, oh, because I've joined this team where I've gone socializing or I've gone to this bar, but also you're more likely to accept invitations than maybe you wouldn't have accepted if you were in a relationship or you're more likely to say, yeah, I'll, I'll continue on to this place next or yeah fuck it I'll go down you know you're just doors open that you might not even notice are opened when you're in a relationship especially a codependent one versus when you are single it just happens that way and so you meeting people meeting friends you working from home you might think okay maybe I would look at maybe I don't know what your work dynamic is. Maybe I'd go into the office one day a week if I could. Maybe I would this. Maybe I would that. All these possibilities you'd start to look at if you were single because you would think, I'm just going to put myself out there more. There's less to lose. I don't have anyone that I have to answer back to. All of the above. So I think that everything that you're talking about has to, you've got to dig deep and look very, very carefully with a very strong lens at this relationship and ask yourself, is this the therapy that you're going through? uh, Is it couples therapy or is it individual therapy? Because if it's a codependent relationship, this needs to be couples therapy. You need to figure out if this relationship is healthy for you. Okay. I do have an episode on codependency. So definitely go check that out to get a deeper understanding, but speak to your therapist about it because also ask yourself is this codependent or is it dependent because I don't have insight into the guy's life because there's a difference between codependent is when it's mutual Both people use each other the same amount to depend on. And dependent is where you are completely clinging to your partner and needing to stay around them and with them and they're your safety blanket. But they've got their whole independence outside of that. So that's what you need to determine. But I feel like that is the source of a lot of issues here as far as you putting yourself out there. And when you are in a codependent relationship, you just said, "Oh, I went to join a sporting team and I ran away because I was so anxious. That makes sense because you're so used to this tiny, tiny, tiny circle that's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then you're putting yourself out into this group of a lot of people. So I would target the relationship thing first. And the main thing that I would look at is trying to spend time alone away from my partner doing activities, but alone. And that will help your social anxiety because sometimes when you're socially anxious, one of the best stepping stones is just to be out in public doing things but alone, not with a partner. I'll buy a coffee, I'll go into a bookstore, I might chat to the person just for three seconds at at the desk and then I can easily leave because it's a customer kind of conversation. So it's very easy to walk away from. So those are the really good stepping stones when you have social anxiety, instead of going into a party by yourself and trying to spark a conversation with someone you've never met. That's fucking terrifying, even for people who don't have social anxiety. So find ways to ease into really small interactions with people that you don't know. The best way to do that is to just Go off, go into the city for a little adventure alone. Do more alone and that weirdly is one of the best things that will help with your social anxiety and you feeling more comfortable in your own skin. Okay, so they're the two things I want you to do. More time alone, completely alone and also um, like out in the world alone, not sitting in your bedroom alone. Um, And then I want you to take a deeper dive into the dynamic of your relationship to figure out if it actually is codependent or just dependent and how you can go about working on that dynamic. Hopefully that helped. All right. Next question. This is, I think, the second last one. Hi, Alexis. Love your podcasts. I'm really struggling to move on from my ex fiance. We were together for 6.5 years. He cheated on me on my 40th birthday with my cousin. Hectic. We were trying for a baby. It was messed up. Anyway, I've listened to your podcast and I'm trying to move on, but having a three-year-old makes it so hard. I want to try no contact with the ex, I'm guessing, but it's impossible. I know I know you don't have kids, but could you do a podcast on how to move on when you have kids and can't do no contact? I have cut all socials. Trying not to be upset that he's moved on already, but we live in a small town and it's hard. He's trying to be nice to me at the moment. And at first he blamed me for this whole thing. Now he's moved on and he wants us to be friends and do stuff as a family with our child. Help. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Firstly, let's address what it is that your partner wants. Okay, because we're looking at wants and needs and all of that. He wants to be friends and do stuff as a family. Okay, number one, absolutely, you can do stuff as a family for the sake of the child. Friends? No, thank you very much. There are boundaries here, okay? And right now... The main issue here is that you do not feel empowered. This is the issue. If you look at everything that's going on, the issue is that you do not have power in the situation. He cheated on you with your fucking cousin, no less. While you're trying for a baby, you've just had your your power ripped away from you. And then to make it worse, he's moved on. So he's happy with someone else. You're currently not. And he's like, oh, ha, ha, let's be friends. Let's do fun. Like, can't, firstly, fuck shut the fuck up. Secondly, you can do things as a family, make it clear. I'm happy to do things as a family. I don't need to be your friend because as far as I'm concerned, friends actually respect each other. This was not a respectful situation that went down. Happy to coexist as parents, happy to co-parent together. You cannot delete this man from your life. He is the father of your child that's been established. Okay. So I think the issue here. And I get so many people saying, how do I coexist with the parent of my child when they've hurt me so much, when I'm struggling to get over the situation, when it's either been an affair or where they've left me when I'm still in love with them? How do I do this? And I can't cut them completely out because I'm a huge advocate for cutting people out of your life when they're not good for you. So I get that all the time. And my answer to you is you need to find a way to feel empowered again because so much of recovering from a fucked situation where you were stomped on and then stomped on again and then twisted and stomped on again is finding your power again right now you are you're probably feeling very disempowered along with heartbreak so it feels like you don't have much control over anything right now and that feels really really awful it feels awful I don't have a child, but I've been in a situation like that and it's fucked. Okay. And you just kind of sit there every day is the same. You just feel like you can't get over this person and it's, it's fucked. So you have to ask yourself, what could I do right now in my life that only concerns me where I feel like I'm gaining some power back? Okay. And this could be anything. And this is why people fucking dye their hair when they go through a breakup. And it works, okay? People will cut their hair off and dye it red. Amazing. Love that so much for them because they're like, I'm drawing a fucking line in the sand. This is the new me and I'm in control of this me. I'm in control of the new me and I feel now empowered. It's a small move, but it's a symbolic move. So I'm not saying cut your hair and dye it red, although love that if you do. But I'm saying, what are small things in your life that you can do that's going to be like, this is just me and I'm doing it because I fucking can and I'm taking the power back. What are pockets in your life where you can feel empowered? Can you go on a trip? Is that a possibility? I don't know. I don't know what your resources are. Can you go on a trip where it's just you or you and the kid? Can you? Do you want to change your job at this point in your life? I don't know. Do you want to start learning something that you know you're going to it's going to make you feel really empowered in the in the short term and in the long term do you want to start a hobby do you want to change your appearance altogether like there's so much that you can do whether it's surface level or whether it's really deep that will start making you feel like you are getting some level of power back control over your own life over things that only matter to you or are only relevant to you okay The moment you start feeling like you have the reins on something, then you start building up that portfolio of things that you have more power on and more reins on, and it feels fucking good. And then you start filling up your day with things that will make you feel empowered. And then this ex of yours becomes a speck in the fucking distance, a, a tiny dot on your radar that you're like, yep you're the parent of my child. We're going to co-parent. You'll get to the point, I promise you, where you'll be like, honestly, thank fuck that this all came out at the time that it did. And we didn't have the second child. We've got one beautiful child, but I'm done. Okay. The fact that you're going to cheat on me with my cousin, like congratulations, but that says it all. Thank you so much. See ya. Okay, you're gonna to get to a point where this heartbreak will disappear very quickly when you start really growing on your relationship with yourself and when you become really independent as far as doing things for you that you want and when you feel empowered, as in you feel you have control over your life. Because right now you, you feel you had no control over that situation. It's awful. You're out of, you have no control gain the control back and I can guarantee you when you have the power back, when you have the control back, that person is a lot less attractive in your eyes, way less attractive. Someone can go from being hot because you need them to like, oh, you're a bit foul because you no longer need anything about them. You're like, couldn't, there's no point in, no area in my life where I need you anymore because I've provided all that for myself and I've provided myself a life now that I love that's on my terms and now I just look at you as this unattractive human. And I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about, I'm not attract, attracted to you in a way that I want to be with you. That's the sweet spot. And then it becomes really easy to go coexist with those people. It becomes really easy to co-parent with those people because they are just a co-parent. They're not, you know, someone who broke your heart, who you're still in love with. You're in love with yourself now and how you're leading your life now. Okay. Hopefully that helped. Okay. Last question of the episode. Let's get into it. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for your podcast. This is written from an approximately 20-year-old male perspective. I have a female friend I've known for years since high school and, and we've always been quite close, but especially in the past few years, we've grown even closer. Spending a lot of one-on-one time with her has made me think I have feelings for, uh, for her. However, she has a long-term partner. It's speculation from my end, but there's definitely times where I believe she's felt the same and I think it's possible if she wasn't with her partner, we would be more than friends. What's your advice? Should I not say anything and keep the friendship or speak up? Thank you. Okay, firstly, okay, there's a lot to unpack here, but the first one is she is in a relationship. So you've got to, if you choose to talk to her about this, there is a big chance that she will now feel uncomfortable in the dynamic with you and that she will not want to continue a close friendship with you, knowing that you're you're have feelings for her or that you're in love with her while she's, you know, in love with somebody else, you know? Because you said there's definitely times where I believe she's felt the same, but you can't know for sure, right? So this is a speculation. You literally said it's speculation from my mind. So you don't know. And she's got a long-term partner. So this could only work if she was not with the partner. So that's already one big risk there. So you've got to think, am I willing to risk the friendship and not have her as a friend or romantically to to let her know this? And if the answer is yes, then of course you can talk to her about it. But if you're thinking, hmm, I'm not – she's not the absolute love of my life. I can kind of – I've got a feeling that I could push past these feelings. I'm not willing to risk this friendship. Then I would not say anything. And the reason for that is when you do say something, it will change the dynamic from her end. Absolutely. Now, there is a chance that it could work in your favor. So if you're willing to take that risk, absolutely. But there's also a chance that she's going to be like – I don't want to lead this guy along. He's now thought – let's say she's not into you at all. Let's say she's fucking not not about it. She just loves you as a friend. And here you are thinking there's definitely times where she, I believe she's felt the same. She's now thinking, oh, my God, I now have to think about my actions when I'm around him because he's interpreted some of my behaviors as me being into it when I'm when I'm not. So now I've got to censor how I behave when I'm around him. I've also got to factor in his feelings and and maybe not see him as much. She's going to be fucking doing her head in. Because she wants to try and maintain the friendship but also doesn't, if she's a decent human being, she's not going to want to lead you on. So then she's got to play this awkward like, oh, ha, ha ha trying to be your friend but like second-guessing her every movement, her every behaviour because you've thought that she's into you in the past when maybe she's not. Do you know what I mean? It gets very complicated. And I personally was in a situation with similar as her where I had a great guy friend from high school absolute legend, love him so much. Now we're friends again, but love him. And I had a boyfriend who I was in love with at the time. And I had this such a good dynamic with him that he believed that maybe it was reciprocated. So he one day confessed his love to me. And I was like, oh, no, like, no, I'm really in love with my boyfriend at the like the guy I dated at the time. And I was like, I'm so sorry if I left you on. And then I felt a bit bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry I've led you on. That's not the case. I don't like and he was like, Yeah, but we're so tight, like we just we just connect, we bounce off each other with this, with that. And I was just like, fuck. I my What I ended up doing is that I said to him, I'm like, I hate, I feel so awful, but I reckon we should take like a six month hiatus and just not see each other. So I stopped hanging out with him altogether because I felt so bad that I was leading him on and making him uncomfortable. So you've got to understand that that is a possible outcome because there's a big chance that she's very in love with this guy. And also another thing layered on top of everything I've just said is that people by nature like to flirt people like a harmless flirt. Who doesn't? I mean, I fucking love a harmless flirt. What if she has no idea that you got feelings and she's like, oh, floaty moment, whatever, doesn't ever think anything much of it as well. So imagine if you're here thinking, okay, I'm going to bring this up, whatever. And she's like, oh my fucking God, we just had a playful flirt. I thought it meant nothing to him. I was just being like, just myself having a bit of fun, but she's probably not wanting to do anything untoward in regards to her partner. So if you want to keep a relationship with her, my advice is to probably not say anything if she's in a relationship and she seems happy with that relationship. Uh, but if you're willing to risk it all and put it all on the table, then hey, like Godspeed, young man. Um, Yeah, but that's my my. Also, can I just say before I wrap this one up, you did say spending a lot of time has made me think I have feelings for her. I have a feeling that they're not really strong feelings. So if you don't want to risk it, I just wouldn't risk it. Unless she's like this undying love that you're like I have to, maybe don't. That's my advice. All right. That is all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for sending in the listener questions. You guys are the real MVPs. I love reading through them. It's amazing. Hopefully I can one day get through all of them, but who knows? Let's hope. Um if you do want to send in your listener question, You just have to write it into info at dyfmpod.com. There's also a little question box in the website as well. So if you forget info at dyfmpod.com, you can also go to the website and submit it through, which is dyfmpod.com. That's all for today. Good times. Love you all so much. And I'll see you next time. As always, remember, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone. And especially, don't take shit from yourself. Danke.